This morning, I want to give you um, three things, three simple things that you can do that I guarantee you if you do them, they will grow your prayer life. I guarantee you if you do them, they'll grow your prayer life. Now, isn't it a wonderful day to talk about prayer on the day you lose an hour's sleep? Isn't it a great day? Isn't that what Jesus told his disciples? The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, right? How many of you's flesh are, is, your flesh is weak? Yeah, your flesh is weak today? Okay, good. You're just like the disciples, so it's a good time to talk about prayer. Let me give you a backstory for this series, though, that'll set up everything we're going to talk about between now and Palm Sunday. We're starting a series today uh, called Walk Like Jesus. So um, one of the challenges that we're having in our current culture is there is, it seems like an unlimited number of forces that are pressing the church to create it in, its, in their own image. And so the marketplace wants to make the church transactional. The culture wants to make the church more mainstream. Some people want to make the church more Republican or more Democratic. Some people want to make the church about sexuality or gender identity or uh, abortion or um, uh, gun rights. Some people want to make the church about being woke, right? But, but here's what I want you to understand. The more we allow any of those forces to shape the church, the more we create Christians that are religious but not like Jesus. So there's only one thing qualified to shape the church. It's Jesus. It's Jesus himself, right? So what this series is about is about recentering ourselves and our church in the person of Jesus Christ. Because if we want people to look like Jesus and to act like Jesus and to live like Jesus, then we got to be centered in Jesus. Nothing else is going to create that outcome. So that's what this series is about. The church has got to be about Jesus. So let me ask you a question. What if one day um, Jesus were to become you? In other words, he woke up at your house in your, in your person. He wore your clothes. He went to your job. He carried your schedule. He went to your school. Um, no, nothing changed. Y whatever health problems you have, he had. Wh whatever pressures you have, he had. Whatever challenges you have, he had. Nothing changed at all except one thing. His heart was your heart. We gave your heart the day off. And now... Everything in your life, his priority filled your life. His passion drove every decision. His love began to direct your behavior. What do you think that would look like? I, I caught this post on social media a few months ago, and it just captured me. A pastor from Idaho, Benjamin Creamer, said, Christianity should sound like my faith causes me to ask really challenging questions about myself not my faith gives me all the right answers for how everyone else should live. Can anybody say amen? amen. <laughs> right? And so in this series, I, what I want to do is I want to challenge you to ask yourself hard questions. Like, what would your life look like 
if Jesus lived your life? Another one is, are you living a Jesus life? In 1 John 2, 6, the Bible says, whoever claims to abide in him must walk as Jesus walked. So this series is very much going to be centered on what kind of life did Jesus really live? And if we say we abide with him, if we say we follow him, if we say we're Christians, don't tell me what church you go to. Don't tell me what denomination you're part of. Don't give me your doctrine. Show me your life. How do you live? Right? How do you live? So how did Jesus walk? Well, before we get there, I want to clarify one thing. How real is your Jesus? What I mean by that is, is your Jesus out floating on a cloud playing a harp? Or is your Jesus human? Because the Jesus in the Bible was human. And if you don't see Jesus as human, you're always going to think that there were reasons he could do some of the things he did that you can't do. But if you see him as human, as a real, live, living human, a person that experienced pain and stress and pressure, he was, he was, he was fully God, but he chose to live a fully human life. And if you don't get that, you're always going to think, yeah, but that was Jesus. That's nothing that I could do. He sweat and he hurt and he got tired. So let me put it to you like this. Let's just imagine for a minute... Um, that, that you, had a, you had a credit card. Everybody knows how credit cards work, right? There's three things that basically define a credit card. An account number, a limit, and an expiration date. In other words, the account number assigns the card to you. The limit means you can't spend any more than this. And the expiration date means this card's gonna go bad one day. And you can't use it anymore. But let's imagine for a minute that you had a credit card. God gave you a credit card. And so if God gave you the credit card, the account number, I don't know, would be um, seven, 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 let's see the third set of four, seven, 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 right? That'd be the credit card number. The expiration date would be eternity, never expire, and the limit would be Unlimited. Let's call it the God card platinum. How about that? Now, you can't tell me if you had the God card, you wouldn't use it. Water heater breaks, put it on the God card. Right? The car breaks, throw it away. Just get two more. I'm going to fix this. Right? Huh? You having a bad Monday? Bam, God card. Fix it. New house? God card. Here's the, listen, here's the amazing thing about Jesus. He had the God card, and he never used it. He never used it. He was human. He was a human man who had a good prayer life. And if he had a good prayer life, you can have a good prayer life. Right? God, Jesus had the God card, but never used it. Because he chose to live a fully human life. But he was a person of prayer. So if you and I are going to walk like Jesus, we've got to develop a prayer life. 
I'm not aware, I don't know all of history and I don't know everything, but I'm not aware of one person in history who's ever lived an effective Christian life who didn't have a good prayer life. Maybe email me, you know, shoot me a text if you know. I don't know who they are. So if that's the case, then you and I got to come to grips with this thing. If we're going to walk like Jesus and we're going to live an effective Christian life, there's, there's some non-negotiables and one of them's prayer. We have to have, we have to grow a good prayer life. Now, learning prayer is intimidating because we're talking to somebody we can't see and we can't touch and we can't you know, it's a, it's a different thing and a new thing for, a, uh, for all of us when we start. It's intimidating, but just because it's intimidating doesn't mean that you can't do it. So I want to give you three simple things this morning that I promise you, if you do them, they'll grow your prayer life. Here's the first one. Uh, uh, look, I'd encourage you to take notes today, all right? Because I, I, it's, if you'll take these three and do them, they will grow your prayer life. Now, you only have to take notes if you want to go to heaven. Other than that, don't worry about it, okay? So here's the first one. You need a place. You need a place. You need a place to pray. Now, look, this sounds so you know shallow and unimportant. Having a place to pray is more important than it sounds, and I bet you if you don't have a place that you pray, you probably don't have a good prayer life. So Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. You see that word lonely? So the New Testament was written in Greek, which just means that, not in English, and then translated English, which just means that to get the fullest understanding of what the Bible's saying, you have to go back to the original language and see what that word means. That word lonely is often translated wilderness or desert. Jesus often withdrew to wilderness or desert-like places. And in those places, he would pray. That's where he would pray. So he had a place. So look, there are no perfect places to pray, but it just needs to be a place that has two things. It's quiet and you're alone. It's quiet and you're alone. And what I mean by that is it's just a place that you, you're not on edge, you're not distracted, thinking any minute somebody could walk in the door or whatever. It could be a lot of places. When I was a teenager, I knew nothing about prayer. And when I graduated high school, I had this sense that I needed to learn to pray. And so um, at, at our church, I could go to our youth room at our church and pray some, but that was often inconvenient. I, I tell people a lot of times, I learned to pray in a hospital because I worked in a hospital. And I, I, at the time, I worked in the largest privately owned hospital in the world. It had 32 miles of hallways in that property. And my job was to transport people, so I walked about every hallway the hospital had, all over it. And I was alone a lot during the day. And as I would walk and ride elevators and go to you know, abandoned parts of the hospital, I would pray. I, I, I would, I, that's how I learned to pray. I was alone, it was quiet, and that's one of the places I learned to pray. When I um, moved to college, there was a, a prayer chapel at our school, and I would go to the prayer chapel in the afternoon, and I would pray. And then when I uh, moved to our first ministry role in Florida, there was a small group room attached to our youth room, and I'd go back to that room in the morning before I went to my, my role, and I, and I would uh, pray. 
When we lived in Mississippi, there was a classroom in the back of the building. I'd go to that classroom, or there was woods out behind our church. I'd go out to the woods and pray. And, you know, if it was raining or something, I'd go to the classroom. As we've lived here, I've often prayed in my office at home, or there's some local trails that I, I walk a lot. And when I'm on those trails, I'm, I'm oftentimes praying because it's quiet and I'm at home. That's where I meet Jesus. So for you, it might be the kitchen table. It might, maybe you have a long commute on your way to work, and that's your dedicated space. Maybe it's your back porch. Maybe I know people who go to the work site early. They just get there 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes early, and they sit in their car. Maybe you pull up to the office early in the parking lot, and you sit there. Wherever it is, it's important that you have a place. You have to have a place where you pray. Do you, do you have a place? Like as I say that, does this place come to your mind? Or places, it doesn't have to be the same place. The second thing you need is a plan. You need a plan. When you get to the place, okay, you got a spot, you pull up, you get there, now what? What are you gonna talk to God about? What are you gonna pray about? Here's why a plan's important. It gives you direction and it gives you full engagement. Now, I really want you to focus in on this. It gives you full engagement. See, here's the problem you and I have. Every one of us individually is an incomplete expression of the kingdom of God. None of us are Jesus. Therefore, we are an incomplete expression of the kingdom of God. Therefore, we don't know how to fully engage God by ourselves. We need outside help. That's, how, that's one of the reasons the church is so important and the Bible is important because it helps us give a, a fuller understanding. The risk you and I run when we pray by ourselves is we tend to pray the same things over and over and over or we tend to pray toward our experiences or toward what we already know. But how many of you know there's a lot of things you and I don't know? <laughs> right? God's bigger than us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we've got to have some kind of way to, to expand our prayer life so that we know that we're engaging the entire kingdom because we get stuck praying the same things. We pray about our concerns and about our problems and our prayers can become centered in us rather than in God's priorities. So we've got to center our prayer life in the priorities of God. Now here's what I find so interesting. Jesus' disciples had the same challenge, but they knew it. Do you know Jesus' disciples never asked Jesus one time, teach us how to do miracles the way that you do them? They never asked, teach us how to heal the way that you heal. They never asked, teach us how to preach the way you preach. But what they did say is they said, teach us to pray the way that you pray. Because the, when they saw the prayer life of Jesus, remember, as a human, not using the God card, they saw something in his life they didn't see in their life. Now, here's what I find so interesting. When Jesus answered, they said, teach us how to pray. You know what Jesus answered with? A prayer plan. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. He gave them a pattern and a plan to pray after. And by the way, there's a bunch of those in Scripture. And there's no perfect one, but I just brought some of them with me this morning because I wanted you to see them. And if you want to take a snapshot of this or something, you can use any of these. And there's a bunch more that I didn't name. I'm just giving you some highlights. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Uh, Psalm 23 is a great prayer pattern to pattern your prayer life after. 
The armor of God. When I was a teenager, I, t- I grabbed that one, the armor of God in Ephesians 6. For two years, I would get up every morning and I would pray through the armor of God. I take on the helmet of salvation. I put on the, uh, the gospel, the pr- preparation of the gospel to cover my feet, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. You can, you can walk through those. Jesus' prayer for the disciples in John 17, the prayer of Jabez, Hezekiah's prayer. I mean, you just go on and on and on. There's no perfect pattern but the what I mean by perfect are they're in scripture they're not wrong there's no complete like everything you'll ever need to know is in one place but in different seasons of your life you're going to grab different patterns and you're going to use them for prayer I'll, I'll give you a simple pattern that I've used for prayer for years I found this when I was in college and I still use a version of it today it's just an acronym that simply says ACTS A-C-T-S and so The reason a pattern like this is important is because it keeps me unstuck from just praying my my own thoughts or my own way all the time. So what do I do when I come to prayer? I adore him. So it sounds something like this. Jesus, today, I come to worship you. I don't want to worship you just with a song. I want to worship you with my whole life. So I pray today, Lord, I, I bow my heart and my mind and my life and surrender to you, and I pray that my words and my thoughts and my actions and everything that I do and say today will be worship to you. God, when you look at my life, I want it to bring a smile to your face. So help me to live a life of worship today. And then see, change me. Sounds something like this. God, there's things that I can see in my life that need to change. And there's things that need to change in my life that I can't see. So I'm asking you by the, by the Holy Spirit, by your word, and by your people, by the community of faith, that you would give me a reflection of my own life and show me what, what you want to change now and change me. I don't want to be stuck the way I am, and I don't want to be less than you want me to be, so I ask you to change me. And if there's things that I can see, I say, God, I, I saw that. <laughs> that wasn't good. I I didn't like how I said that, or I didn't like that I thought that, or I didn't like that I've carried this. I didn't like that I've lived this way. Lord, I I confess this sin, and I repent, and I turn away from it. And and then uh, thank him. Can I just tell you one of the absolute um, fundamental character traits of the Christian life is gratitude. If you will practice gratitude, it is a virtue that you can build your spiritual life on. I'd say gratitude and humility are two cornerstone. And so if you practice it, it grows. So when I pray, I say, Lord, today I thank you. Whatever, whatever it is that day, Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you for, you know, it's a beautiful day. You know, not today, but yesterday. <laughs> you know, I, so I practice thanksgiving. And then support prayers, and that's just where I pray for all the other things, I pray for my family. I pray for, uh, sometimes I'll pray for missionaries. Sometimes I'll pray for our community. I pray for our church. I pray for our ministry. I pray for um, conversations or decisions that I'm going to have to make in the future. Whatever all those things are, those are that's intercession. And so, and so I bring those things to him. Now, I, I do want to say this. Look, we got two kinds of people in the room. Uh, some of you are like, yeah, it's a good plan. You know, may, maybe, maybe I'll, you know, do it once. Uh, plans aren't your thing. 
Then you got the other kind of people that like, if that's the plan, like you're rigidly holding to it. You know what I'm saying? You're not letting that thing go until Jesus comes. I mean, you're, you're, you're locked in. And I would just say to you, if you're on that side, um, it's okay to pray everything that's on your heart. Okay? When you use a plan, do the plan, and then pray everything else that's on your heart. <laughs> a plan's not intended to limit you, it's intended to guide you. For those of you who are on the other side, get more committed to the plan. Because <laughs> you're, you're swerving all over the road, you know what I'm saying? So um, here's the last one. Three things, right? Place, a plan, a priority. And can I tell you of the three, this is the most important? Matter of fact, if you don't have a place or a plan, but it's a priority, your prayer life's going to grow. It won't grow as much, but it will grow. So your prayer life needs to be a priority. Let's look back at Luke 5, 16 one more time, and I want to look at a different word than we looked at the first time, but Jesus often, all right? I didn't look that Greek word up, but I can tell you what it means. It means often. <laughs> it means a lot. You see what I'm saying? It means it was this pattern. It means that's how he lived. It means that's what he did. It means that prayer was as natural to Jesus as walking or thinking or breathing. Often, it was regular. For Jesus, prayer wasn't like a last resort. It wasn't like, oh no, it wasn't an annual event. It wasn't a special occasion. It wasn't desperation. It was part of his life. It was the pattern of his life. And in scripture, we see that Jesus often uh, prayed before sunrise. He would get up early and pray. Uh, on a few, he would pray at night sometimes. A few occasions, he prayed all night. He prayed before his ministry began. He prayed before making big decisions. He prayed before calling many of the disciples. He prayed when he was in great need and suffering, and he prayed just before he died. He prayed in complete surrender to the Father. And here's what's crazy. The busier he got, the more he prayed. If you track Jesus' life as he was coming closer to the end of his ministry and the pressure got heavier on him, his prayer life went up. Man, if I'm honest with you, I have to be honest, don't I? I should be, shouldn't I? It wouldn't sound right if I wasn't. I would have to say too many times in my life, the busier I got, the more prayer life went down. You ever, you ever been like that? That's not Jesus. The busier he got, the more, the more he leaned into prayer. Here's the thing. Jesus was a real human that prayed real prayers and he had a good prayer life. You and I cannot walk like Jesus without having a good prayer life. Right? And so one of the things we're missing today is not that we don't have enough church people, it's that we don't have enough Jesus people. And I'm just suggesting in this series, the reason we started here, and I think the place to start is, let's just start with prayer. Let's just forget all the other things Jesus did for a minute. <laughs> and let's just start with prayer. So let's say you're here, and, and if you're honest, you struggle with your... By, by the way, I, I had great struggles for a few years in my prayer life, just 
trying to get it started. I didn't, I didn't have a model. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't know what to do. So I understand. And maybe, maybe you struggle in your prayer life or don't have a prayer life at all. Where do you start? Here's my encouragement to you. Start small and grow it. Start 10 minutes, three or four days a week, right? Schedule it like an appointment. You have a doctor's appointment. You have a hair appointment. You know, you have other meetings, appointments. Schedule an appointment and keep it. And start small. Start 10 minutes. And then grow it. As, as that pattern takes into your life, add a day or add five minutes or, and, and let it grow. When I was in college, I heard a stat that shook me. It said that the average pastor prays 10 minutes a day. And I thought, pastors are terrible. <laughs> you know, I thought, man, what are they doing? But then I started to look in my own life and I said, you know, I, my prayer life's not all that good. I wonder when that starts. I, I guess if I'll wait till I'm a pastor, then it'll just happen, you know. But then I heard that stat, and I went, well, it didn't happen for any of them. So I guess it's not just going to happen. I guess I'm going to actually have to start. So under the weight of that conviction, I set an appointment with God early in my school, my freshman year, and we had a prayer chapel. Uh, oddly enough, it was usually empty. <laughs> um. And I'm not a morning person, and we had early classes, so I wasn't getting up at 6 and praying. I didn't go to bed till 3, so why would I get up at 6? You know, I'm not doing that. That just doesn't make any sense. So I would go to class every day at 7.30, and as soon as I got out of class every day, while my other friends would go into the mall or hang out at the cafe or whatever they did, I would go to the prayer chapel. And I would meet God there. And I would pray. And I didn't know how to pray. So I did this. I showed up, and I would pull everything out of my pockets. I'd take my wallet and my keys and everything I had, and I'd set it out on the pew right there, and I'd say, now, God, this is the way you made me. This is how I came into the world. Owning nothing, having nothing. You just made me to meet you. So I put aside everything. I give you everything. I had keys, whatever those keys fit, cars, apartment, whatever they fit, I give all that to you. And I, I lay aside my wallet and the driver's license and whatever things that mark me as a person, identify me, I just put all that there and I'm just coming to meet you. And I would just walk in that chapel. I'd walk around and I'd just pray, meet him. Can, can I just tell you? It's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Changed my life. Changed my life. So, I didn't, I couldn't control what time class started. I couldn't change that. You can't, a lot of you can't control what time your work starts. Your work starts when your work starts. I'm not saying quit your job and pray. I'm saying what do you do with the first part of the free time you have? The time that's yours. Not your employer's or not somebody else's. The time that's yours. What do you do each day with the first part of the free time you have? Whatever that's morning or night or afternoon or whatever it is. 
What I'm suggesting to you is, is you set an appointment with God right there. And you, and you meet him. And you talk to him. Now, for some of you, you've, you've got a pattern. And that's working for you. And that's great. So what do you do? From that pattern, you then begin to grow spontaneous prayer. Where you just find yourself talking to God throughout the day. You know, just like a relationship. There's a place for you to grow too. Build on that. But here's what, I, what usually happens. We usually don't start with spontaneous prayer and then work it into a, into a meeting. We usually start with that meeting, that appointment, and then grow it into spontaneous prayer. So I want to encourage you. Set an appointment with Jesus and meet it. And, and here's what I want you to know. More than, I'll, I'll put all this up because I'm going to lose it. I'll be home today and go, what happened to my wallet? Where'd my phone go? What I want you to know is this. And I'll ask you to stand with me. If you want to grow your prayer life, and if you're a Christian, you should want to grow your prayer life. More than reading a book or listening to a podcast or hearing another sermon about prayer, you can, you can take that information in and it do nothing. The best way to grow your prayer life is to pray. You, you can get taught on it and read on it until you, you're overflowing with knowledge about it, but it won't do anything in your life until you pray. It's easier to talk about prayer than it is to do it. So I just want to encourage you, set, set some kind of pattern in your life of prayer. For those of you who are online, now's a great time to pray because our prayer team is online and they're live and they've been there all service praying for you. And if you need prayer this morning, I want to ask you to just jump in the comment section and put your name or your need or whatever you want to put and our prayer team, a prayer team member is going to meet you there live. We're all going to sing this song together about the hope that's found in Jesus. And then we're going to invite you to put into practice what we talked about today. To bring, to bring whatever it is that's in your life to prayer in Jesus, okay? Lord, thank you today that you're a God that lived a human life. You not only said this is the way, but you walked it. You lived it. You showed us. You felt what we feel. But you dared to live in a way that pleased your Father. Thank you, thank you for that powerful example. And thank you for the power of God given to each of us to live the life that you've called us to. Lord, we lift our heart and our mind up to you today and our entire self that we might turn our attention to worship you and then meet you in prayer this morning. In Jesus' name.